Hey guys, it's Rebecca Price. I hope you guys are doing great and having a great day. Wanted to jump in today with another um, another podcast. And every once in a while, I really like to do a podcast on church hurt um, because it's a big deal today. A lot of people have experienced it. There's a lot of things um, things that go on and a lot of a lot of hurt that that comes out of the church and. Um, I want to take a little bit of a different pro- approach today, though. I want to talk a, a big reason about why that happens. Why does that happen, you know, in a church? Why do you see that today? Why do you see believers? Because, you know, when you think about the body of Christ, you think about how the Bible says that the body of Christ is one and how we should, you know, um, build each other up and be unified. But a lot of times you see that that's not the case. And so I want to talk about why, because it's a little bit, it's, it's a little bit more deeper than just sin. You know, what, what kind of things cause this, what kind of things cause the, the, um, the issues that we see in the church today. So I'm going to jump right in. Uh, one of the biggest things that I, that the Lord started showing me this morning, because I was thinking about taking a different approach to it and going and talking about betrayal and things like that, which I've talked about before, but I want to talk about boundary lines. Things actually come down to boundaries and boundary lines are extremely important. Boundary lines are important in relationships. Boundary lines are important everywhere in, you know, it with people in your job in your family, in your church, in your marriage, boundary lines are very important. And first, what I want to talk about is how God is a God of boundaries. Uh, Whenever boundaries start to get blurred, whenever boundary lines start to get blurred in places, that's when trouble happens. Um, That's when things can take a turn. And it's very important to always have you know, always have very clear boundaries. And Jesus was like this. And this is one reason I think why the the Pharisees didn't like him. Jesus drew a line in the sand and he's like, you're either for me or against me. You know, you're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. Um, and that's one reason why people don't like, don't like the idea of that today. They don't like, um, some people don't like Jesus or don't like God because they don't like boundaries. They don't like being told what to do. And Satan is that's very much the character of Satan. You know, Satan is very much almost like a, a spoiled child that's defiant all the time. Um, you don't tell me what to do. Don't give me boundary lines. I want to do whatever I want to do. And, and you know, and I've talked before about how in Satanism, it's do as thou wilt. It's do what you want to do. You know, who, who's going to tell you what to do? Do what you want to do. You know, if you want to be selfish, be selfish. If you want to harm somebody else, harm somebody. It's, it's putting yourself... As God is putting yourself, magnifying yourself and your wants and your needs above others. Whereas God is completely the opposite. Um, when, when Jesus came to the earth, he said, um, I came to serve and not to be served. And and in the Bible, and I'm going to look at this really quick. Uh, let's go through some verses. And I just want to show you, first of all, that God is a God of boundaries. That, you know, he says, this is why he says, <clears throat> He makes a, he makes uh, very clear distinctions between things in the Bible, and he says, "Do this, don't do this, da, 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 you know." And we would see that all through the Bible, and and so let's look at some of that. So I want to look at Revelation three, and we're going to look at this. And this was the letter. This is the letter to the church of La- Laodicea. Some people say Laodicea, 
Um, and I'm going to look at uh, 15, verse 15, and it says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. So there, there's a distinction right there, cold and hot, right? Completely different things. Cold water is different than hot water. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So there, you know, God is frustrated with them because they're not either hot or cold. They're lukewarm. They're trying to blur things. It's like you either follow me or you don't. I would rather you pick a side than try to blur things. And this is why, you know, in, in, in being a disciple of Christ, there can't be a middle ground. It's not, there's right, wrong, and then there's this gray area that people can live. And that is where some people love to say, oh, well, you know, I, I can do a little bit of both. I can do this and this, and I can have the world, and I can have Christ, and you can't. You can't have both. All right, right here, God says, I, I would rather you either be hot or cold. Don't try to be both. You can't be both. Let's look at another instance in the Bible where God makes distinctions. All right, so in 2 Corinthians um, we're going to look at verse 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? There's a distinction. Righteousness and lawlessness. There's not. They're not the same. They're two different things. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Once again, two different things. God is a God of boundaries. God is a God of distinction. God is a God of this is right and this is wrong. This is sin and this is righteousness. Okay. Uh, let's look at another verse and this is in Colossians. Um, this is Colossians one and it says, um, 13, it says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there you go. You see another distinction between the domain of darkness and the kingdom of Jesus. All right. So two different things, distinctions boundaries, all right? A boundary line separates two different areas and two different things, all right? A boundary line, right? Uh, let's keep going. In Proverbs, oh my goodness, in Proverbs, this is, um, all you see in here are boundary lines, all right? So I'm actually, I'm in Proverbs and and I'm looking at uh, chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Diligent versus slothful. All right. Um, it says one who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Righteousness versus wicked. Okay. Uh, in the path of righteousness is life. And in its pathway, there is no death. Difference between life and death. A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. All right, so wise, a wise son versus a scoffer. So over and over again, you can go throughout the Bible and all you see by God are boundary lines. This is why God said in the Old Testament and God says in the New Testament as well, he says, you know, I'm the only God, worship me, okay? You can't worship me and worship other gods. And this is why he told his people, you know, in the Old Testament, don't intermingle with pagan peoples. Don't do that because you're going to adopt their customs. You're going to do the things that they do. You're going to intermarry and you're going to try to, you're going to try to bring these other false gods in to your relationship with me. And I, I'm not, that's not me. Okay, that is wrong. And I'm a holy God. 
And I, you can't worship both. You can't do that. But Israel didn't listen and kept trying to blur the boundary lines and blur the lines and have idols and have all these other things. Um, and it just, it, it doesn't work that way with God. So we see that God is a God of boundary lines. It's all throughout the Bible. Okay, all throughout the Bible where Jesus says, follow me. But if you follow me, you'll have to die to self. Okay, you can't be selfish and selfless at the same time. You've got to die to self, right? You can't be sinful and be righteous at the same time. You've got to, like you've got to turn from sin, repent. This is why he says repent from sin, okay? Why he told the woman in adultery, go and sin no more, right? It's like the difference between mercifulness and unmercifulness, forgiveness and unforgiveness. You see these wines all throughout the Bible. So now that we've established that, okay, we've established boundary lines, we look at... We talk. Let's talk about the lack of boundary lines and the damage that that can cause. So, like I said before, when you start to blur, when you start to blur boundary lines, that is where Satan loves to live and Satan loves to play. Because again, Satan doesn't like to be told what to do, and Satan and God have opposite. They have opposite character. They have opposite characteristics, right? Satan wants to do whatever he wants to do, and 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 people are like, well, but you know. God, they'll, they may flip the script and say, well, but, but God is that way though, but God can do whatever he wants to do as well. And how does that, you know, how does that line up? Well, let's look at the character. Okay. The character of God is God is righteous. He's all knowing he's all wise. Okay. The character of God and the character of Satan are two complete polar opposite. All right. Satan is unmerciful. He's harsh. He's hateful. He is evil. He is selfish. He is hateful, all right? And you can't trust someone like that, all right? You can't trust um, you can't trust someone like that and give them free reign to do whatever they want to do. Okay, because of their motives, because they're motivated by their character. God, okay, where um Satan is unfaithful, whereas God is faithful, all right? God is faithful even to his word. He will not violate his word, all right? God is so faithful. And a, and a great example of this we've talked about before is back in Genesis because people say all the time, well, if God knew that when Eve ate the fruit that all of this stuff would happen, why did he not interfere? Why did he not stop it? Because God will not violate his own word set by himself. Because God gave Eve and Adam, he gave them instructions, but he also gave them free will because he wants them to want to follow him and want to serve him. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want people that are forced to follow him. He doesn't want people that, um, he doesn't want people that feel like they have to follow him. He's like, no, I give people a choice. You either follow me or you don't. You either love me or you don't. You either serve me or you don't. And he gave these instructions to them and said, you, he said, oh, you know, this is, this is what's going to happen if you obey, but if you disobey, this is what is going to happen as well. And so he, if he had interfered in Eve's decision, if he had stepped in there and, and had stopped and done everything, he would have violated his own word that he put in place. Because at that point, it wouldn't have been free will. He would have forced his will on them. Okay? So God is so faithful that he won't even violate his own word. So someone who is all-knowing, who is all-wise, who is faithful, who is just, that is someone that can be trusted to do what he wants to do, to, to have free reign, to do whatever he wants to do. That is why God is trusted, is trusted to with that power, to have that power, okay? Because God, being all-knowing, sees the whole picture, 
All right. He sees everything, every part, every come into play and having all knowledge and having, having all wisdom gives you such an advanced, I mean, that's such a, and that's not even the right word. It gives you, it gives you this divine oversight into everything. So you, you know, every, every moving part, how everything works, nothing is hidden from your sight. So that person, that being has all of the knowledge and he has all of the wisdom and he's faithful in everything that he does and he's just and righteous. There's no sin in him at all, no evil in him at all. That is someone that can be trusted to do whatever he wants because he's going, because everything that he does is going to be made out of righteousness and out of a place of holiness and justice. Whereas Satan don't care. Satan doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about, he wants to see you die. And everything that you hold dear die. He wants you to burn in hell with him because he hates God. And because you're made in the image of God, he's out for himself. He's like, screw you. I don't care if, if you go to, if, if by you going to hell, that's, you know, it, it makes him happy. Then fine. He don't care. He don't care if you burn for eternity. He doesn't care. All right. So that's the distinction is between their character. But let's jump back into when we're talking about blurred boundary lines. And now I'm going to go into the church and let's talk about how this, this kind of stuff happens. All right. That was just kind of a setup, a preview so that we can move into this a little bit more. So a lot of times, um, you know, I've talked before about activities in churches, activities in church that can seem very, or, or churches that can, can move more and look more like cults than anything because you have an imbalance of power you have uh those blurred boundary lines again okay so you know a lot of times you go into churches and pastors are often seen in this divine almost pedestal like view and you can tell you can kind of tell the relation excuse me the relationship between the pastor and the people even though it is based on an individual level not everybody's like this but a lot of times if you go into a church and the people, the way they speak about the pastor can give you a lot of clues, you know, oh, that's, oh, that's Pastor John. Well, Pastor John would, man, everything Pastor John says is on point. And Pastor John, man, he would never do anything like that. And Pastor John this and Pastor John that. And you can tell this, you can tell that boundary lines have been blurred because these people see, instead of seeing this pastor as a man that is a vessel for the Lord, that is being used by God, they have now elevated him to something greater. And when you do that, when boundary lines um, start to blur and you start to take away uh, the, the manhood or the womanhood of a pastor before you, that is when that is when uh, Satan will creep in and things will and things will start to happen and sin will start to manifest in different ways because and discernment goes out the window. Your discernment starts to fade because if you have elevated uh, the pastor to a position that he is not, that he never was in, where he's almost in this godlike divine state, then you're going to start to say things like everything he says is right. Everything he or she says is right. Everything he or she does is right. They can do no wrong. So then when they do wrong, you either ignore it or you're in denial or you don't see it discernment wise because in your mind, you fixated this this image of, oh, but they, they just, they wouldn't do that. They can do no wrong. They can this. And it's unfair to the pastor. If we're looking at it from congregation to pastor standpoint, it's unfair to the pastor because then they're put in a position of they, they don't, um, when they make a mistake and when they fall, it's a million times more devastating when it comes to light than because this person has built this 
deity almost over this over this pastor, you know. Um, but let's flip the script a little bit, all right? So pastors can, some pastors like that. They like that deity. Uh, they like this, um, this idea of being a deity more than you think it is. Almost being this creature that is, that is, um, that, that can do no wrong, that is untouchable because then certain pastors, not all of course, but certain pastors take advantage of that. And so then because that blurred boundary line is there, they will start saying things like, oh, well, unless God tells me that, then, then he didn't tell you that. They start to act like they are the only voice for God, that they're the only mouthpiece for God, that they almost assume a position of God-like status where they're all knowing. And if you want to know any truth, you better come ask him because you can't hear it for yourself. And if you want to know anything about the Bible, well, you better go ask Pastor John because if you read it for yourself, it's going to be wrong. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have all of these things. You you almost become like this this dependent, this, um, this relationship where you, you have to be dependent upon them. And then they can take other liberties. Uh, and it's a very dangerous situation. And and pastors that take advantage of that and and, and want to be God for you in your life. It's it's almost a high priest standpoint, which is again very dangerous. Um, then then it it mixes things all up because then you know they they may have access to you that they never should have had in to begin with. Blurred boundary lines is where a lot of the sexual indiscrepancies in churches happen. You know, and and when when things happen, you know, I mean, a simple example, even if it's not pastor to congregation, is intercongregationally with. Married couples that have affairs. What happens? Boundary lines are blurred. There were not strict boundary lines that says, no, I'm married. I'm not going to do that. It's a, oh, well, it's just coffee. Oh, well, it's just texting. Oh, well, it's just talking. And then the next thing you know, that blurred boundary line there, all of a sudden something else has formed. And you also have in pastor, you know, with pastors to the congregation, when you have the men or women that take advantage of that or want to be seen as this deity, godlike um, person, they'll start to abuse phrases like in the Bible and when it talks about David and Saul and, uh, well, you, you know, you can't touch God's anointed and you can't this and that. They will use that to put fear in the congregation of, well, I can do whatever I want to do. I can, as as this deity, godlike pastor, apostle, figure, whatever, I can do whatever I want to do, but don't you dare correct me. Don't you dare speak against God's anointing because a curse will be upon you. Do you see how this works, these blurred boundary lines? But then you also have, let's, let's flip it even again for pastors, okay? Because not all pastors are, are, I mean, obviously not all pastors are like that. You have pastors and apostles, teachers or whatever. They're very, they're, they're very humble. They're great people. But then you also have this imbalance out there where some pastors are like, you know, where, where too much power in the church is given to the people and pastors feel like life is being sucked out of them and drained out of them. And they're like, oh, I just feel like I, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted all the time and I'm tired and I'm this, where that's because too much power has been given to your congregation and you're in the people-pleasing business rather than the God-pleasing business because people have turned to you and have made you their high priest and they're coming to you for everything. They're coming to you. They can't do anything, you know? And I think sometimes pastors will set themselves up for that because instead of wanting to train people and send them out, they want to train people and leave them in the house. 
That's not what God says to do. It says to equip the saints. You're supposed to equip the saints. Well, if you're equipping them, you're preparing them for a work, right? And so you're raising people in the house to go out and to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. But a lot of people say, well, let's train them up and leave them in the house because I, because I won't tithe in the house and I want, I need money in the house and I need this in the house and I this and I that. And, but then they, then they get, they're like exhausted because they're like, oh, I'm always running and doing this. I'm always running and doing that. And I'm having to visit all these people and I'm having, listen, you draw the boundary lines. Okay. You need to be the boundary line drawer and you need to say to yours, you need to set that precedent in the church that first of all, the people are not, it doesn't matter, you know, stop giving yourselves to money where the people with the money in the church can make the most decisions. Stop giving yourself to that crap and say, I don't care how much money you have. You're not going to sit there and, and, and tell me where the plants go on the stage or what color carpet we have. You're not going to hang that over my head. You know, this church is going to be run by the spirit of God is going to be run by the principles of God and in wisdom and that you, you're not going to wear yourself out you know, trying to please everyone in the church because, oh my God, my numbers have got to be up. My people have got to be up. I got to be this. I got to be that. You know, again, blurred boundary lines. That is a pastor that does not have boundary lines in place, you know, and I was a children's pastor and I struggled with this too, because, you know, sometimes you, you want to be, you know, you feel like that you have to do everything and be there for everybody and do all that. And, and nobody really teaches you you know, that no, you've got to have strict boundary lines. You have got to have healthy boundaries between you and people. And, you know, and you can't, you're not expected to, you can't be expected to do it all. You know, you, you have to have a balanced team and you've got to be, you've got to be humble enough to say when you need help and you've got to have the right team members in place and you've got to do that. Cause I will tell you right now, the more and more that I, that I grew as a children's pastor, I realized the importance of a team and having people in place and people with different gifts uh, other than yours. And, and the team that I had that was helping me as a children's pastor at the time was a great team. They were great people. Um, and, and they really, really helped to make that ministry better. Um, and you learn as you go, you know. But again, boundary lines. Boundary lines are extremely important. And that is one of the biggest problems in churches today is we don't teach healthy boundary lines. Why don't we teach that? A, we don't see it. B, we've been taught traditions of men. Like, oh, no, you know, you, you can't. I mean, I mean, we're family and, and, and you can't have boundary lines with family. One of the most important things that you need to have in your life, and I wish I had known this earlier in my life, is boundary lines with people. And people who are abusers will charge right through them. They don't care about how you feel. They don't care about your boundary lines. They will burn right through them and they will say, no, you can't have boundary lines with me because it's my way or the highway. That is what abusers do. They don't, care, they don't respect, they don't care about what bothers you. They really don't care about you in general in the end. You are a means to an end for them, okay? So to protect yourself and guard yourself from abuse, we have to have discernment of the spirit. And one way to keep discernment in tune is to have healthy boundary lines. Don't blur things, okay? Don't blur things. And this is also a huge problem in the church when it comes to sin, because there's a lot of churches out there that don't want to call sin, sin. They don't want to say, hey, homosexuality is a sin. They want to say, well, we love all people and, you know, we, we want to be welcoming and we want to be inviting and you can love someone. Jesus loved the woman in adultery, but he told her, go and sin no more. He showed her love publicly in front of, in front of the Pharisees. He showed her love and he showed her mercy. But then he said, 
He didn't just send her on her way and said, well, I've showed you love today. No, he, he says, go and sin no more. What you're doing is wrong. You need to change your life. You need to turn around. And that's what we need to be saying to people that are living in sin. Repent. You need to turn. Okay, so, but there's lots of churches. They don't like to say that today. They really just don't want to hurt people and step on people's toes. So boundary lines get blurred. So then you have churches where you have people, you, you may have homosexual members that are that are leaders, which is a, a huge slap in God's face. It's it's profane or where you will have um, people into witchcraft. All right, people that are into witchcraft and, uh, and sorcery, which, you know, I like what a guy said one time. He said, don't call it new age. He's like, that's buttering it over. It's sorcery. That's what it is. You know, people that are into witchcraft and sorcery and doing all of these things. Well, well, you know, they're, they're leaders in our, con they're, they're leaders in the church and they're doing this, they're doing that because boundary lines have been blurred and God is very, very clear. Light and darkness are different. Boundary lines are extremely important. So when boundary lines get blurred, that is where church hurt happens. That is where you have, you, you know, you have church hurt come in a lot of times and you have it on both ends of the ends of the spectrum. And we've got, this is why we've got to come back to the word of God and we've got to come back to the character of God of who God is. Because the world says, please people, please people, you have, you need to make everybody feel, feel comfortable around you all the time and, and and because you need to do that you've got to you've got to change the way that you speak and change the way that you talk and and, and things like that and and you have to you know and whenever boundary lines get blurred you have things like loss of identity that is why today when you have these people coming out and they're saying oh well I identify as as we and they or I, I don't identify, I'm a woman, but I don't identify as a woman. I identify as this, or I am this, or I'm non-binary, whatever. When boundary lines get blurred, people begin to lose the sense of identity of who they are and who God called them to be. A healthy boundary line in church, you know, when we talk about, um, talk about like congregationally and, and, and pastorally, is remembering Boundary lines that God sets in the Bible, but remembering who is God and who is not. Now, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We have God in us. We are the hands and feet of Christ. So we are called to be Christ on the earth. We have Christ in us, right? And the pastor is, is a vessel, okay? But, he, but the pastor is really no different from you or I. And, and that right there starts a lot of fights because then people get into the whole anointing thing, which they don't understand what anointing means. Anointing doesn't mean you have some special power. Anointing means you were chosen, that you've been called out and chosen. We're all anointed as children of God, okay? But if someone has a gift of pastor, you know, it doesn't mean that he's the only one in the house that hears God, that he's the only one in the house that can, that can administer healing. Absolutely not. Jesus told his disciples, go out, heal, cast demons, do this in my name, make disciples. Everybody's called to make disciples, right? But when you, and, and when you look at a pastor as he is a pastor, but he is a man that God is using and that the credit belongs to God and that the glory belongs to God, and that he is still a man or, he is, or she is still a woman, you, you can then rightly have the right boundaries, so then you can still keep, you can still have discernment and you can listen to what they say and you don't listen through this lens of, oh, everything Pastor John says is right. Everything Pastor John says is right. It doesn't matter what he says because Pastor John, you never know. Pastor John may take a turn 
and may start wandering away from the word of God. And then, and, and, and then you start hearing less and less scripture and you start hearing more, um, uh, what is it? Motivational speaker stuff. And then, and if you don't, if your discernment is not in tune, you're not going to pick up on that. If you have these ideals in your mind, well, everything he says is right. Well, he's just the greatest thing that ever walked this earth. Well, he just this, well, you're worshiping him and you're not operating in discernment of the spirit because he has actually derailed and you can't tell. You know, a pastor, it works the same way, pastor to congregationally. If a pastor is so concerned about pleasing people in his congregation, then he's going, he's going to be too afraid to correct them when they need to be corrected. He's going to be too afraid to go to that person who has decided to, to, you know, leave their wife, leave their wife and, and be a homosexual with a homosexual man or, or be, or a woman that has decided to become a lesbian. He's not going to have the courage to go to them and and say absolutely not we're not taught this is sin you know this is sin he's not going to call them on it he's going to say well i really don't want to lose members well i don't want my numbers to go down well they tithe a lot man do they tithe a lot and i really don't want to say anything to them because y'all i'm talking truth right now okay i want to help people the truth sets people free and that's what i want i'm tired of people walking around in denial not wanting to talk about things not wanting to address crap that goes on in the church and every church is not like this it's not. I'm not against churches. Every church is not like this. There are some absolutely great churches out there that have boundary lines. Um, one thing that I, that there's a church um, that my parents go to, and I don't agree with everything that goes on there, but one thing I do like about that place is the pastor will call out sin in a minute. And he will say, if you choose not to repent and you choose not to turn from that, then you're not welcome here anymore. Because then you are deliberately walking in sin and you're deliberately walking in wickedness. And we're... What, what fellowship does light have with darkness? And I admire him for that because that takes bravery because that says to me that in that area, he has not blurred the lines, that he's not sold out to the people to the extent that, well, I'm just not going to ruffle things. I'm not going to ruffle feathers. I'm not going to muddy the water. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. When people start to look at the pastor in the right light and the pastor starts to look at people and who they shepherd in the right light, you know? And, and then that and boundary lines are very clear. That is where you have healthy church. Healthy church. And the way church hurt comes from this is because when you, have, um, when you have leaders that abuse their position, then all of a sudden um, when they don't get their way or somebody leaves the church and, and even leaves peacefully, it doesn't matter. They paint them as an enemy. They attack. Their, they try to assassinate their character. They tell everybody lies about them. They 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 are in completely in, in in. They operate in a realm of sin, and it's it's horrible, you know. Or or people, you know, people that that will um will you know look at a pastor in a different in in a different light, you know, in, in the in the deity light, you know will encourage others to have this mindset. And if anybody else has a mindset or if anybody comes out and says, well, I didn't really, you know, I don't know if what he said was biblical today. How dare you? You can't say anything against Pastor John. Pastor John's the best thing. You don't know him. And I don't think you're a part of it. And I don't want to be around. I mean, I'm telling you, there's crap that happens. And it's all because of things getting blurry. Boundary lines. And this is going to be hard for some people because if you've bought into this almost, I just call it a cultic mindset because it, it it's it's just it's it's very much like a cult. In a cult setting, the leader is never questioned. There is fear throughout the. I mean, it's 
And, and if you are not part of them, you're an enemy. You're, you're a, if you're not a part of their cult and their group, then you are considered an enemy, an idiot, and you're not on board with their, their vision. And you're just part of, you're just, you're just, you're an enemy and you're an outsider. And we don't, I mean, it's, it's nuts, right? It's this obsessive, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, uh, and it's, it's just, it, it happens and it happens so much, so much. So that's something that we need to do is, as believers is we need to examine ourselves and go before the Lord and say, God, are, are there any unhealthy boundary lines in my life? Not just in the church, but in my marriage. And are there, are there places where there needs to be a boundary that's not? Or in my life with sin, am I trying to make something a gray area that's not a gray area? God literally says, I would rather you be in or out. I would rather you follow me or not follow me. Don't try to follow me and then, and then you know, sin, live a life of sin. You know, don't try to be both. He's like, that. it makes him sick. He says, I will spew you out of my mouth for being lukewarm. That is how God views, views blurred boundary lines. That's how he views that. And so... We need to, we need to examine ourselves and you need to start, you know, if you feel like if you are a congregant and you feel like that you have an unhealthy view of leadership, maybe you have them on a pedestal deity, like repent of that and say, Lord, open my eyes again, give me discernment and just start viewing them and say to yourself, they are just a man, just a woman that God is using the power that is in them that may be coming through them is not theirs. It is of God's. And when you start to say that over and over again, and you start to believe that and see that, then you're going to be able to look at them more as the brother and sister that they are. But you're also going to be able to look and listen with discernment. And you're going to start to realize, you're going to start to really evaluate what's being said and really evaluate things according to the word. And you're going to have a better assessment you know, moving forward of, you know, is this a place, because I guarantee you there are people today that are at a church they don't need to be. They know they're not supposed to be there, but they can't leave because they're so drawn in by the culture or they're so, yeah, but I really don't want to leave Pastor uh, Pastor Lydia because she's just this incredible, amazing person and no, 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 I really don't. And God has been telling you to leave for a while, but you don't want to leave because you're scared and you're, and, and, you know, and you may be, you may lose your friends and stuff like that. And here's the truth of the matter, okay? If you decide to leave a church because God tells you to leave, true believers are not going to shun you. They are not going to excommunicate you. They are not going to shun you and you are an enemy. I will never speak to you and oh my God, they're not going to do that. You know, believers may ask you, they say, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. Is everything okay? And then if you say, well, God just told me to leave, um, and things like that and move on, they're not going to be ugly to you. They're going to say, well, you know what? Then, you know, if that's what God's told you to do, then good. Then follow the leading of the Lord. You know, we love you. We're still here for you because they're still, they haven't left the body of Christ. They're still in the body of Christ. Just because they don't go to your church doesn't mean that they have fallen off the face of the earth into sin. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like I've said before, so many churches say, well, people People, uh, there are churches everywhere, but there's something special going on in this house. Really? Why? Why is there something special going on in your house? Because uh, uh, other churches, I mean, a believer, you know, you, well, the Holy Spirit's in this house. Well, the Holy Spirit's in me. I carry the Holy Spirit wherever I go. So to say the Holy Spirit's in that house is kind of like saying y'all have water. It's kind of like saying y'all have carpet. I mean, well, yeah, you have, okay. 
you don't think that that this other church has carpet and not and not every church has that like not every church you know has truth of the of the word of god in their house because you know they they don't they preach false doctrine they don't preach from the word and stuff like that but what i'm saying is is like don't act at church oh yeah oh man it's special in this house don't miss what god's doing here because if you leave you're going to be lost that is manipulative that's manipulative words and manipulative somebody trying to manipulate your actions in your mind and you better be wary of that. You better wake up and understand. This is the, let me explain very quickly the danger of staying in a place that you're not supposed to stay as a believer. If you stay, if you stay in this place, if God's told you to leave and he's told you that you need to get out and he's showed you things and maybe you're ignoring red flags that he's shown you of blurred boundary lines and things like that. If you stay under the voice of this man or woman that in this house that you, God's told you they're not preaching the truth, you know, you could succumb to that and you can start living that way. You can start believing what they're saying. You can start believing and listening to them and all of a sudden you're derailed and you're living a life of sin and you think it's okay and you're you're becoming desensitized to sin. You're becoming dis and your discernment, your discernment is it's going down. And that is a dangerous place to live. Discernment of the Holy Spirit is such a precious gift that that believers have to that believers need. You need that to function today. You need that to operate today. You need it. Oh, you need it. Because you need to have, because of boundary lines and because of things things that are there, you need to be able to discern between evil and righteousness, between truth and lies. Because Satan is the father of lies. He masquerades as an angel of light, but he is the father of lies. He can't do anything else. He hates the truth. And you've got to be able to discern whether your leaders in the church speak the truth, preach the truth. They're, they're living in righteousness, Okay. You got to be able to discern that because if they're not, you need to get the heck out. And if you're a pastor, all right, if you are a pastor and here's your danger, if you're a pastor and you do not have the boundary lines within yourself to call out, to call out wickedness when you see it in your congregation, to go to people that you know are living in sin and you're like, hey, we need to, we need to discuss this because this is, this can't, this isn't allowed here. We can't, you know. If you, if you want to come to me and let's talk, that's fine, but this isn't allowed here, all right? We're not going to tolerate this. If you don't, then you're going to have demons running all throughout your church, causing all throughout chaos. It will affect your home. It will affect everything, everything, all right? And and you'll be, you, sheep, sheep will be slaughtered. You'll have so much collateral damage and that's blood on your hands. You have to be, you have to have the, the courage of spirit like you hate wickedness. I hate it. You know, you love, you love people, but you hate wickedness. Like we're not going to tolerate this. We're not going to let this dance around. We're not going to do this. God has so put you in a position of leadership. Is everybody going to like it? No. Are people going to leave? Yes. But again, you're not in the people pleasing business. You're in the God pleasing business. You are here as an ambassador to the Lord and you're not here to please people, to make them happy, to make them, you are here to do the will of God. And, our, and, and that's the thing. Are people going to like that all the time? No. Nobody likes being called out on sin or being called out on something. Or, you know, a lot of times discipline isn't fun. But God says, I discipline those that I love. And if you truly love your sheep, you're going to hold them accountable. And you're not going to care whether they, you're not going to sit here and say, care whether they leave or not. If they leave, then they don't love the truth. Then they're not looking for the truth. And they're most likely they're going to go somewhere where itching ears are satisfied. 
by preaching of what they want to hear. They're going to go to a place with blurred boundary lines and have a ball. Let them go. Let them go. Just, you know, even if it's someone you love, sadly, let them go. You, you need to be a man of truth. And understand, and, and, if you are a, and, and if you are a pastor that is has been elevated to deity status or wants to be deity status among your congregants and be and abuse and control and manipulate and use fear tactics to get what you want and to get money and to get servitude and whatever from your people, let me tell you something. Don't you dare quote that verse about uh, not striking a hand out against God's anointed. Don't you dare quote that because let me tell you something. You are held to a higher account, not a lesser account. And you will give an account to God one day for what you have done to your sheep. To the sheep that God has given you, you will give account for that. So don't think that you're going to escape just because you're a pastor, apostle, teacher, preacher, whatever, bishop. Don't think that when you abuse sheep and you act like a wolf in sheep's clothing, don't think that you will not answer for that. Because you will. So you better get right and you better repent right now. And you better get your heart right in chasing Christ and not money and fame and popularity. Because there will be a day where all of that will be laid bare. And a lot of times it's laid bare on the earth before it's laid bare in heaven. So, you know, it's laid bare before God, before the throne of God. So that needs to be, you, you better get it right and you better repent. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of leaders, and not just pastors, it can be youth pastors, it can be anybody, it can be any ministers, any leaders, deacons, whatever, you know, that are trying to abuse power and want to be elevated to this pedestal-like status. All right? Get it right now. Repent before the Lord and get it right now. And if it means that you have to step down from your ministry, it, if it means the salvation of your soul, do it. Do what's necessary. If it means that you have to resign and or you have to, whatever you got to do, if it means if it means that you have to get up and repent on stage before your congregants, if you got to go to people and you have to apologize and say, I was wrong in sin, do it. I'm telling you right now, when 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 humility is present, when people humble themselves before the Lord and before others, that is not a weakness. That is a strength. That is why a lot of people don't do it. That is why people choose pride because they think pride is strength and humility is weakness. God says, the proud, I don't know the proud. The proud are far from me, but I'm, I, but I'm, I'm close to the humble. God uplifts the humble, but he casts down the, casts down the proud one. Pride goes before a fall. He talks about how horrible pride is and, and where pride, it, where you end up when you are filled with pride embrace humility get out of your own little delusion and victimhood that you don't do anything wrong and everybody's out to get me and everybody yes beware beware of leadership and beware of pastors that well it's i just y'all don't know the hell i've been through and y'all don't know the hell i've been the, everybody goes through stuff get over yourself get over yourself everybody go i may do a whole another podcast just on that in fact, I think I will. I'm just not even going to talk about that anymore. Um, anyway, guys, I hope this helps you understand <clears throat> a little bit more about just about why boundaries are so important and how God is a God of boundaries. And so if you're in a church where boundaries lines are blurred, you know, go before the Lord. Ask God to open your eyes to blurred boundary lines in your life. Ask God to open your eyes and 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 see if within yourself you have allowed boundary lines to be blurred and if you have unrealistic expectations from people in your life you know ask god for eyes that see the truth 
truth. Seek the truth. The truth will set you free. That's what brings freedom. And that's what we have to do is seek the truth. The truth and or the truth of God's word. All right, guys. I love you guys so much. And I hope you guys have a great, uh, great rest of your day. And I will come at you with another podcast. Be blessed.